What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hump Podcast. It is good to be back on this Thursday afternoon. I'm with Micah and Garrett, and we are continuing our series on isms. Uh, Last week, we talked about progressivism and talked about progressive Christianity and the dangers of that. And this week, we are talking about universalism. Universalism, something that I don't think it's as and I might be wrong, I don't think it's as prominent as progressivism, um, but universalism is something that I believe can also be dangerous uh, and have a very, it can be just a dangerous mindset to have for a church or as a believer. So let's start off, Micah, Garrett, what's happening, what's good, what's bad? What up, what up? What's bad? I've never heard someone ask what's bad before. <laughs> we, we start off every Bible study um, at church, we always start off what was the worst part of your week and what was the best part of your week. Mm. And uh, it's actually, I don't know, it's cool to see kids talk. It kind of opens them up more because you always hear what's good, like, ah, life's good. Yeah. But when you say what's bad, they usually always have something pretty good that's yeah. bad. We do that highs and lows, so we, what we yeah. call them, or wows and owls for the children's. <laughs> what's it or called? Wow and owl. Wow and owl. Or yay and nay. Yay. I like yay and nay. Um, I think there's another one. But uh, what's not good is the. You said what's bad is yeah, hubba, bad? hubba Bubba tape. The, you know that gum that comes in like the oh yeah the that roll. Good. It's terrible, bro. Oh, you don't like it? It's good for like thirty seconds. Yeah, only and then 30 it's seconds. like terrible. But it's the funnest thirty seconds of your life. Yeah, sounds yeah. Funny. No, it's pretty dope. I mean, like until you get to that. Are you talking about the gum? Yeah, yeah, like that roll. It's yeah. called. I think it's called tape. It is hubba. You know, oh, hubba Bubba yes. tape. It's in like the that little thing. What made, roll what, unroll. What, what happened that Hubba Bubba hurt you so bad? Well, like today I had <laughs> some. Some when he was six. It's just not good. <laughs> like, it just, ta- I don't know. I don't, I can't even like describe, but like once you get past the Why sugar, did you have tape? Did you buy it? Yeah. So for Christmas, <laughs> my uh, mother-in-law did um, um, a, it was in a, it was in one of two things and I have a bad memory. It was either in a stocking, but I think it was my, no, I know it was. My mother-in-law did an Advent Christmas tree. And so for 25 days, there was like these little gifts, like chocolate or whatever. Like it was just like a fun thing. And one of them was, and I like opened it and I was like, nostalgia is like throwback. So so we still have it. 25 days of gifts? Yeah. I mean, it was like, one of them was like, like the little thing of silly putty. Like it was like mighty dollar. It's like like Hanukkah for Christians. Yeah. So it was just like a cool, like uh, fun thing that she wanted to do. So. Um, so yeah, I had some Hubba Bubba tape left and, uh, it's not very good. But anyway, you asked what was bad. So I told you that's my, that's my owl for the week. It's good. It's like the best thing for like 25 seconds. But then it's bad. But then it's like chewing on like cardboard or something, you know. Garrett, what's bad in your life? Mm, Not really anything. I just started the semester for my master's and looked at my calendar Ouch. It's not bad, <laughs> but, but I forgot good. what it was like to have twelve assignments to do each week. It's, yeah, it's, um, same a lot. But hey, same. You, got, you know what else is bad? <clears throat> what universalism? <laughs> universalism. What a segue is can be. Bad. Can be. <laughs> what a segue. So, so universalism. Now, there's lots of different ideas on universalism, and, and lots of universalists believe different things. But overall, as we look at universalism, what is it? It is that all humans will come to final salvation and spend an eternity with heaven and God, meaning that every single person a universalist believes will be saved. Now, it's kind of like the, the saying, all paths lead to Rome. Yeah. Um, that saying comes because... Ancient Rome built 
a ton of roads and everything, you know, pointed back led towards to the city yeah. of Rome and led to Rome. So that's, that's where that saying came from. Another illustration is, um, it's called the mountain illustration, the mountain paths analogy. Um, so it, th- it states that God resides on top of a steep mountain and at the base of a mountain <laughs> are individuals who try to get up to him by taking different paths. Some paths are winding, while others take a more direct route, eventually all converge at the same location, God. The mistake travelers sometimes make is to become overly attached to a particular path. With each step up the mountain, they start to believe that their path is the best or only way to the top. Travelers fail to realize that all paths are equally valid ways to get to the summit. That's basically, <clears throat> theologically, what universalism is. It's the <laughs> belief that you know there's no religion is wrong. It's just another way to look at or perceive yeah the supernatural being of God. And it sounds like it goes so far as to say if you say your way is right, you're, yeah. you're also wrong by thinking that. Yeah, you're, or you're being, um, uh, what would be the word, what, that you're being... Um, High and mighty? Yeah, or haughty. Um, haughty. H-A-U-G-H-T. Haughty. I thought that was pronounced hofty. Hofty. Haughty. <laughs> that is haughty. Uh, I th- and also with with universalists, some of them believe that everybody will just be saved. Like Garrett said, all roads lead to heaven. Uh, all roads lead to God. But also there there's like a Christian universalist, w- which mm. they believe that in the end, Christ right. will redeem everybody again, kind of. If yeah. that makes sense, so 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 one one side of universalists, some of them believe that hey, whatever religion you take, uh, that religion leads to God. But then a Christian universalist would be that they believe Jesus will uh, or God Himself will redeem everybody and save everybody um, in the end, no how, matter what they believed. Got a good home moment for you. All right, let's how, hear it. How does the letters G and H together make an F sound sometimes, like rough? Oh yeah. And then sometimes it's just silent, like haughty. Fruff. Ha. Uh, laugh. I think William Shakespeare would be a good... Uh, he'd, he'd probably answer that question. No wonder the English language is he, so he hard to He probably learn, invented those words. Can you imagine, like, <laughs> what? If you're just like G and H, like, that doesn't make... It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I'm learning Spanish right now. And I mean, I didn't say it was a good hum easier. moment. I just said it was a hum, man. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> I never it was good. <laughs> never said not. we're going to win any, uh, you know, awards for it or anything, right. but... So what's the big, what, what do y'all think the big problem is? Like if one of your, let's say one of your youth or somebody in your church was like, hey, I, uh, Brother Garrett, I, I really, brother do they call you reverend or brother? <laughs> they say, hey, hey. Garrett. <laughs> hey, you boy. Mine call me Mr. Sir. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Sir. <laughs> That's from uh, Holes. Digging, digging up holes. Digging. Hey, what? that's a good movie. You remember that movie? Did you not I mean, know the movie. movie? I don't remember that movie Mr. Like Sir, though. Times. Yeah, Mr. Sir. That was the... The guy's name? Yeah, the guy that was like in charge of the mm. juveniles. Oh, yeah, I don't right. remember. The I just remember uh, Stanley. Shia LaBeouf yeah. and Ghost, yeah. or what was his name? Stanley Yelnats. Well, was that the friend's name? No, Stanley no, Yelnats, Stanley Yelnats was, was Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, Shia LaBeouf. Zero. Zero. Yeah, zero yeah. was his friend. Yeah. Yeah. Stanley on that. <laughs> anyway, speaking about holes, uh, <laughs> it's not a boundary, but, <laughs> but yeah, if somebody comes out of the one with that, we just put ourselves in. <laughs> yeah. Um, what if, if one of your youth or one of your if somebody come up to you in your church and said, you know, I really believe in this universalist thinking, like, hey, all roads lead to heaven. Like, what? How would you respond to that? Or what would be what would be your first response? Uh, you misread Paul. 
because I think a lot of times it's really easy for us to to <clears throat> we want everyone to be saved. We we attach ourselves to the love of God, mm-hmm. which is true and perfect and um, infinite. And then we read Paul in Romans and First Corinthians and what he has to say about soteriology, about salvation, and we misconstrue what he's saying. Because yeah. um, in these in these um, in these letters that Paul writes to the church, he he talks about um, people being saved, about God coming for to redeem humanity, and there's. It, it, it's kind of misinterpreted to, to take that Jesus came and all people are saved simply because of the one thing he did. And, and we miss that there is an aspect of allowing Jesus to enter into our hearts so what he did can take root and redeem ourselves. Um, so, you know... There's people that universalist Christians that will say, um, say universalism is biblical. Paul Paul tells us that that um, God came to save everyone, um, and and that's true. God God wants to save everyone. God's plan is to save everyone, but He knows that not everyone desires to be with Him. And if people don't desire to be with Him and don't um, participate in Christ's Spirit, then they just simply put, can't withstand his presence. It's not possible for them to be with him. One of those passages, I think, that you're referring to in Romans is Romans 5, 18 and 19. Uh, It says, Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the Mm. result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. So if we take pull that passage out of Scripture and if, if you don't read any more into it, just pull that out, it does sound like a universalist mentality. Like, if someone just reads that thought, and a universalist or a person could say, right. hey, well, Paul's saying, yeah. no matter, you know, just because of Jesus' death on the cross, all men are saved. And, right. and by because then, what, we're talking mankind, yeah. not the gender of male. You know, what like he's talking about before that with Adam, you know, right. like you said, yeah, I could see And then in verse 19, he happen. says, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So then the word changes to many. So is this just a different translation of the word all? Or is this a, um, you know, and, and I was reading an article about this today, and it talked about how all dogs are mammals. Mm. That's a fact, right? So if we say many dogs are mammals, that's that's also true. Because yeah. if all are, then many are. Mm-hmm. And so the idea, like part of the argument is that, you know, there's a confusion here. And like Garrett's saying, there's a, there's a question here. And, and again, if you just read even just those two verses, there's an argument to be made with just these two verses for a universalist for their position to say, well, look, Paul says because of the acts of one man, we're all disobedient, we're all sinners, but also because of the acts of one man, Jesus, what he did, we're all all saved, no matter what we do. Yeah, I I could see for sure where you read that verse and and you could Mm -hmm. almost try to pull that out. And and a big thing too, universalists is like, I was listening to this today um, and this was someone who was a universalist. 
Oh, really? Yeah, and, and their thought... You say was, as in they are not they, anymore? No, they, well, they still are. Okay, okay. As far as uh, I know, that's she's, I was just... it was a lady on YouTube. I don't know if she's... Okay. <laughs> so at the time she made this YouTube video, she was. Right. And her big thing was she was trying to convince people that because God is good, yeah, he can't send or he wouldn't <laughs> send people to hell. And see, mm. the response to that, and I love C.S. Lewis. I, I've talked about C.S. Lewis's view before. I, I love his response to it. Um the response to someone saying, well, God is good. God is infinite love and infinite goodness. He can't send someone to hell. Mm-hmm. He's also infinite judgment. He's, he's the, the perfect judge, and he's also infinitely glorious. And if you can't withstand his presence because you don't have even a sliver of his spirit within you, then his, in his infinite goodness and infinite love and infinite judgment, he's going to say, you can't be in my presence so I'm putting you away. And so his love and goodness <clears throat> produces a mercy of saying, um, I, I'm taking you away from my an eternity with me because that would just be torture to you. So I'm now placing you in, in hell, in an absence yeah. of me, in what would be, in C.S. C.S. Lewis's term, as the most minimal and sliver piece of reality. Yeah. Um, and I think you, you also got to look at um, while God is is all of those things you said infinite love infinite goodness we there's I don't want to say the other side of God because it makes it sound like the bad side but there's the side of justice yeah um, you know God is a merciful God God is also a wrathful God He is and um, you know I and not wrath in the sense of I just no to, not chaos to, yeah not to, chaos yeah, wrath, no. but he's just his wrath is his sentence of judgment right on right on and corrupt creation and you know we said it before and to be fair in order to have a merciful god you would have to have a god of justice because there is no mercy without mm-hmm. justice yeah. um it can't exist you know it's just those are those two things that almost have to exist together in isaiah 55 8 9 it says for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts so part of that universalist argument, like Christian, which you said in, from an article I was reading earlier, so I don't want to universally subscribe this to all universalists, hmm. but we're just talking basically within the mainstream universalism. Um, there's an idea here that we understand God. Part of universalism is understanding God because we're saying, or universalists would say, well, God is all love, and I understand all about God and how he's all love, so there's no way God could send people to an everlasting hell. And so there's a part of us that is saying, I fully understand God. We have to be reminded, a major hole in that theory is immediately, we can't understand God. And so the fact that we can say, because I know God so well to know he's all love, means he couldn't send someone to hell. You know, my argument to that was, mm-hmm. well, how do you know he's all love? I mean, we we see his expression of true and the best love I've ever seen through Jesus, but we can't know all of who God is. You know, we're not omniscient. We're not omnipresent. We're not omnipotent. We're none of those things. So we can't fully understand who God is, except for what God chooses to reveal to us. Yeah. Um, and so there, we cannot say because I know God yeah. so well, I know He would not send everyone to hell. And the biggest cause to the growing number of universalists isn't even necessarily like a, a desire for um, a, a desire for people to be saved out of love. But it, it's birthed from this postmodernist philosophy mm. that we talked about before, where truth is subjective. Yeah. So truth yeah. is whatever you make it. Yeah. Now, truth, the definition of truth, is exclusive. There's only one truth. There, there, there can't be multiple truths, because that 
is in and of itself a contradiction to the definition of truth. Yeah. It, it has to be one thing or else it's not truth. Um, it's And God, you know, Jesus says in, um, in uh, John 3.16, um, God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Mm-hmm. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe in him is already condemned because he does not believe in the name of the one and only Son. And then in Matthew, he says, All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal in him. And then somewhere else, I, I can't remember the scripture. I'm the way, the truth, and light. Yeah. Um, no one John comes 14, to six. John 14, 6. Yeah, I could not, yeah. I couldn't remember the reference. Um, <clears throat> you know, so. Jesus repetitively throughout his gospels, throughout his teaching, says, you know, I am the way. I am the truth. I'm the only way you can get to the Father. Anyone who doesn't believe in me is condemned. Only those who do believe in me, who have my spirit, are able to inherit eternal life. And so Jesus is inherently exclusivist because he's claiming to be truth. And so universalism, this idea that, no, there's multiple truths, you know, it's just whatever you pick and choose. Truth is relative. Truth, truth is whatever you make it to believe, is a contradiction of the nature of God. Mm-hmm. You know, you if if truth is subjective, then God doesn't exist because God is the sim, is the simplified order of creation. It is He is the origin. He is the the starting point of creation. If you say that truth is subjective you're nullifying the existence of God. And if you're saying, well, there's multiple ways to get to God, well, then you're saying that there's multiple ways to get, there, there's multiple truths or multiple right. avenues to truth. Yeah, there would be multiple um, truths. But, sure. but there's, you know, that then again contradicts truth. Right. So universalism, it, it's birthed out of postmodernism, out, out of subjective truth. And since, you know, it's easy to refute postmodernism basically by saying you're claiming a truth and at the same time saying that you can't claim truth Mm -hmm. you can also basically say the same thing about universalism and with universalism it's hard like to be honest in probably deep down everybody wants to wants universalism to be right because we don't want to see anybody perish yeah you know but here's the thing we have to realize that uh, as Garrett talked about earlier, that God is a God of of wrath. He is a He is a judgment God. He is a God that judges. But also, uh, I think this is very interesting when you're thinking about uh, the universal mindset. Like, like what do they think about when <laughs> Garrett almost fell out of his chair? Um, <laughs> he got scared. <laughs> you know that so, feeling where you feel like you're like falling off like yeah. a cliff, and you're like, ah. I wake up a lot. I, I guess I wasn't in um, Inception because I didn't, uh, didn't, yeah, you didn't snap hit. out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so, but here's the thing too: Jesus talks, and I wonder what Universal think about this. Jesus talks about hell more than he ever talked about heaven, and most topics in general, he talked a lot about hell. And, and I, I don't think God's word would waste time on, on hell if it's a place where nobody goes. Yeah, uh, and I'd, I'd like to study it more. It do some universalists believe that well, there's a purgatory? They believe there's. I think what I was reading is they believe there's a temporary hell. Yeah, and that basically, for for instance, someone who, like Garrett was saying, uh, with the paths up the mountain, so for someone who chooses the, not the most, perfect path, they would suffer for an amount of time until all are redeemed and, together. And see that that argument there is, it, it refutes the argument. 
of saying, well, religions are like the saying, all roads lead to Rome. Because yeah. no, each religion has its own exclusive destination. I mean, yeah. read the Quran, read um, Hindu texts. Like they, they all contradict what yeah. each other says. But also, th- like, so it, you can't have inclusive universalism that includes exclusive religions. So yeah. confused. And I think here's a big thing that I, I think an easy way to, to see how the temporary hell is not a thing. Mm. Uh, two verses, Matthew 25, 46. And these will go away into eternal punishment. Also, yeah. Matthew 25, 41. Then he said to those on the left, depart from me. You curse it into the eternal fire. So, so Jesus talks about the eternality of hell. That it's not it's not like hidden like oh is hell eternal or not Jesus like He's, clearly says and those are just the first two I see when I'm I look curious it up. how many times he talks about hell that he uses the word eternal yeah I, I, I wonder bet, I bet it's I bet it's probably all almost I yeah, mean I several times that, you know you, you said the word origin earlier Garrett um, speaking of origin who started universalism ah good good catch good you like catch. that you like good. that yeah how so did who, you uh so how did it? you when did you figure that out <clears throat> i mean like two hours ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was doing um, some rating on the universe so you know so the origin huh yeah origin or- oh origin was the origin <laughs> yeah. yeah origin what? yeah do you know uh he in was, like the uh, fourth century or my something mind like is blue. um origin was a writer in the second century i believe yeah. well i think May- i saw no, maybe somewhere Whatever that is, that'd be the fifth century, I guess. Uh, origin, I think, was in the two no, or three hundreds. I don't know. I don't know how the centuries um, work. Well, twentieth century is right now, right? Twenty first is right 21st, now. Twenty first. Twentieth was the yeah. 19th. So Carl Barth. So it's always and and 20th. and yeah. Um, whatever origin, the century ends on. It, it's based off of their eschatologies, um, which we've said before. Have we talked about eschatology before? I think that's we did it. Um, yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we, we talked. Know. We talked yeah. about yeah, that in time. And, and the. Um, yeah, we did it in December. In the church, the the last thing we just did. Yeah, no, yeah. So origin was alive. Doctrines this and is theologies origin. O r i g e n. He was a writer. He was a Christian scholar. He lived from one eighty four to two fifty three. So yeah, um, second and third centuries. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, his eschatology, which just means his view of the end times, his view of, of. Jesus coming in and bringing all things into what his, he desired. It, it wasn't universalist in the sense that we have it today, yeah. but it was much. It it planted the seeds of universalism, um, in a sense. Um, Origin. Um, I got to look this up for sure because I can't remember. Um, it was declared heresy. In AD five forty three, by the Council of Constantinople, that's what I yeah, saw. I knew yeah. I saw four hundred or four or five, and it's five forty three. Yeah, so. so so he um um I can't think of how to how to explain this. I'm it's not worth trying to delve <laughs> into right, the Greek yeah. word. Um, but so so Origen's view of, of eschatology was was that everyone could could it was almost. Um, subjective. Everyone kind of experienced it in their own way, um, which kind of lends light into um, universalism, where you know you experience your own spirituality. You don't experience the same spirit from Christ. It's kind of your own thing. Um, 
I don't want to do anything so, on my own when it comes to eternal life. Um, <laughs> like, I think if you read the scriptures, I don't want to try to do so, anything on my yeah. own. So he... Uh, I'm with you. He His belief, his eschatology, like his, his belief in how Christ was going to return was pretty traditional. His teleology, or spirituality, was what's different. So telos just means the way you live, the way you... you, you, you the way your life forms over time. Um, but then he's saying your life and your spirituality is based off of your own individuality. Hmm. Um, and in that view, he's saying you basically make your spirit whatever you want it to be um, through the grace of God. Um, so <laughs> he planted the seeds of universalism, but it's grown far different now. Um, the universalism of today that that saying, you know, all roads lead to Rome is really a view of Roman um, polytheism. Because uh, think back to um, Paul in the Areopagus um, in Acts chapter, what is that, 19, 17? Acts chapter 17, let me turn back there. So Paul comes to these people and in the book of Acts, he's, these Romans who he's trying to minister to, and um, this is in 17. I got my iPad out. I'm not as quick. I, I, it takes me longer to flip the stuff on my iPad 17. than it does to... Yeah. Um, 17 verses. Yeah, like so he's in Athens. He comes before the people. Uh, it says he stood in the middle of the Areopagus, um, and he says, People of Athens, I see you are extremely religious in every respect, for as I was passing through and observing the objects of your worship, I even found an altar on which was an in inscribed to an unknown god. Therefore, you worship in ignorant ignorance. This I proclaim to you. So he's saying, you know, these people of Athens, these were, this is where the Greek gods originated, and Rome, and base, Rome just basically adopted the Greek gods. Um, you know, this was a historically religious place. Every new god they've heard of, they bring into their pantheon. They worship it. Even to the point where they're saying, well, we don't know what the next god's going to be, but we'll worship it before we even find out what it is. Um, and so you know, the epitome of universalism is ancient Athens, ancient, ancient Rome. And Paul is saying, that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> he's like, he's like it, it just, it doesn't um, make sense. The God who made this world, he says in verse 24, and everything in it, he is Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by human hands, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Now, if you look at Christian universalism states that God loves all people, and so he's going to save all people. And we just ref kind of did away with that. And because by, he's good, he has yeah, to save them. Because he's, but we just did away with that by saying because he's good, he has to say they can't come in because they can't withstand his glory, those that don't have his spirit. A universalist, a, a non-Christian universalist, just says every religion is subjective. It is what you make it. But Paul is saying here, no. You know, God is the God that isn't made by human hands. God is the God that is the originator of all things. God is beyond all things, behind all things, sovereign over all things. Every other religion doesn't have a God that states that. It's either a God that, you know, Zoroastrianism is, there's a great evil and a great good, and they're constantly in fight because they're all equals. No, that can't be God because God is supreme. You know, polytheism is based off of idols, based off of demigods who were people that brought themselves into being God. You know, every religion that has really gone over the course of human history doesn't 
speak of a supreme being in the sense that Christianity and Judaism with Yahweh do. It's just not the case. And so if we really want to say, you know, if truth is exclusive and there is only one truth, then religion, theology, has to be steeped in a God that is the truth, that is the most simplified form of all existence. And no other religion other than our faith states that. Yeah. And I think, too, a big thing, and Gary, that was super good, when you think about when you think about universalism, one of the things that you have to consider, especially if you're a Christian universalist, is the point of preaching the gospel is pointless. Hmm. You know, unless there's some kind of purgatory <clears throat> yeah. that you want to stay away yeah. from. Like, like if you, to preach the gospel, to share, like, I mean, church, it's almost like church is pointless if you're a Christian universalist because, hey, doesn't everybody make it to heaven in the end? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I kind of think— And it would, it, would make, it would make the question of what's the point of morality. Yeah, um, exactly. If, if God is a moral God, if God established morality, which, you know, in apologetics we can easily make that statement and, and, and prove it with evidence that God established morality in every heart of every human— then universalism is new and null and void. Because if God established morality, why would a moral God allow immoral behavior and then save the immoral? Or why would a moral God allow his son, one and only son, why would he crucify him in a torturous and horrific way for those that are immoral? Right. That's not a moral action There'd be either. no point in practicing holiness. Mm-hmm. There'd be no point in preaching about holiness. Sanctification is, is irrelevant. Yeah, so that's... I just, I just think that's the kind of odd thought. If you're a Christian universalist, mm. um, what, what's the point of church? What's the point of yeah. <laughs> just do what you want, it almost yeah. seems like. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, you know, I think, uh, and I don't, I don't know that um, universalism always um, starts with um, just like, I'm going to be different. I'm going to be a universalist. I think a lot of times, like we had kind of mentioned before, I think for many people, um, we see maybe even growing up in a church or whatever, um, whether that's the case for you or not, but I think we, we might see the lives of others um, that um, say, let's say well-known people, like famous people that are very generous and that care for people and that give a lot of their money, but they don't necessarily, they publicly claim that they don't, practice Christianity for us to see that we're like man there's no way that person who has given you know a lot of their money away and who you know is a um, philanthropist and who helps other people and all this stuff how could they possibly go to hell so I think a lot of times it becomes um, in us just like a man I just can't I can't fathom someone who does good acts on this Mm. world suffering in that way so I don't like and people I choose not to believe that, you know, because I think that would be a lot of people's thought is I choose not to believe in one way because, you know, I look at X person who's yeah. famous and who has now just said, I don't believe in, in God. I believe in trees and nature or whatever. Krishna. Yeah. And yeah. Or yeah. Krishna. And, but you also see them doing the works of what a Christian should be doing, you know, yeah. taking care of people and, and mm. doing things for people, donating money and building you know, projects for, uh, like, uh, um, housing projects for people who are homeless, things like that, that Christians should be doing. Uh, and then you see 
I, I don't know everything about all these, you know, mega church pastors, but then you might see mega church pastors who have jets and not that having jets are bad, but who maybe we don't see their acts and maybe they're doing them privately and that's great. And we're, you know, scripture tells us we're supposed to serve privately, but, um, it, it's interesting. I think, I think people come to the universalist mentality or the, that belief through, the eyes of seeing someone who may not be a Christian doing good works and just thinking that person has to have a reward on the other side of life because they do good on earth. Um, of course, we see in Scripture that good works don't save you. Uh, it's faith in Christ. And, and it connects to what James says. Mm. Um, Paul talks about we're saved by the grace of God, and it's easy because of how Paul so overly emphasizes salvation through grace alone and not through anything we do that it's really easy to misconstrue that and say that all people are saved without having to accept Jesus into right. their heart. Um, well, James, you know, James doesn't refute what Paul is saying. He just goes on to say... Clarifies. Yeah, yeah he clarifies. He's, he's basically writing to the church after Paul has already written to the church, and he's saying, you know, Paul, Paul says that we're saved by grace. That's not wrong, but that doesn't nullify yeah. or mean you don't work. And, and chapter one of his letter verse 22 he says be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves because if anyone is a hearer of the world and not a doer he is like someone looking at his own face in a mirror for he looks at himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of person he was i love that description yeah yeah, because because you know what james is saying is you can't simply accept christ into your heart and then go out and do whatever you want because then you've not actually truly accepted christ into your heart because if you have then you are changed. Your reflection yeah. is different. The way you, who you exemplify is different. You, you, you wouldn't be doing the things that you're doing if you have really heard and accepted what you've heard. Um, and so the fact that there are Christians who the world will look at and say, well, I don't know if I want to follow that faith because look at what those people are doing. Yeah. Man, that, that just makes me wonder, are they really hearing and attaching themselves to the message of the word. Yeah, and and to follow that up, to, let's say they are seeing people that are not living it out right. That's on, on us as believers to live it out. We're called to that, um, to represent who Jesus is. You know, we are, we're in a series on Wednesday nights with, our, with my student ministry. Um, last week talked about, described us as a gift, a gift, a present. We are a wrapped box, and within us lies the gift of Christ, and we are to represent Him. That's our that's our that's what we're called to do. We're called to love God, love others, and make disciples. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by doing that, you know, I, Jesus talks about uh, the com- you know the commandments, and all of them boil down to loving God and loving others. And if you're um, murdering or committing adultery, guess what? You're not loving God or loving others. So he's saying when we love God and love others, the rest of the commandments are, are within that. The rest of what we're supposed to do is within that. And when we do that, when we live that out, we are representing Christ to an accurate image. Um, we're still humans. We still are flawed in that regard that we're always going to return to you know, messing up because we're mm-hmm. human. Um, and that doesn't make it okay and that we lean into that. But it's our responsibility, you know, like you, I mean, I, I, I do think people who see Christians say, well, I don't want to be part of that just because of them. There's a flaw there because they should probably go to the word to, yeah, to the source yeah. of, of what we believe. And that would be the word. Um, 
but we also have a responsibility to not push people away. Um, we also have a responsibility by the way we talk and act and live um, to not push people away, but to pull them in. Um, I, no one's going to get saved because of what I do. And when we think about that, you're like, well, what's the point? Well, someone may see what I do and say, I wonder why he'd do that. Let me go see what mm. the Bible says. And they're going to be saved because of Christ. They're not saved yeah. because of what I do. But what I do might interest them in it through that power of Christ in me. Um, and so I think there is equal um, responsibility on both sides. We as followers, if you're already a follower, we have a responsibility to uphold the values of Scripture. Um, we have a responsibility to live the way Christ lived and to mirror him. But also on the other side of that, we each have a responsibility as humans um, to not just look to other people and follow them, but to go to the source, and, and that is the word. Yeah. So, and, and all of this is to say that we're not making the claim that Christians should cast out Muslims or should cast out Hindus or should cast out um, people that have a different belief than us. We're not supposed to cast people down. J- Jesus went out and loved the Samaritan woman. Yep. He he loved on her yep. and and showed her the truth. He didn't cast her away simply because she and he didn't worshipped con- yeah. or, or believed a didn't different thing. He didn't condemn her. He didn't yeah. condemn her, no. Yeah. no. Now, with that being said, if the Samaritan woman didn't, just like just like any other faith, if, if she didn't reject what she had previously stood on and turn to Christ, whose yoke is easy and whose burden is light, then it, she wouldn't have been able to withstand God's glory throughout right. eternity, just like anyone else. But Jesus showed her kindness. He showed her love. And in that kindness and love, she wanted to follow him. And I think the danger that Christians are in now is you know, we, we have to hate um, Muslims. We have to be scared of them. We have to be scared of, or we, we, we have to rise up against um, people of other religions. We can't let them infiltrate. Well, if, if that's the mindset you have, then you might not be very strong in your faith to begin with, mm. because you might not be steadfast on your own strength in him, or in his strength in you, um, because it, it might, it seems like you're worried that you're going to fall away if someone else takes you know takes more control right but i as christians we should have such an overwhelming trust in the sovereignty and strength of god that you know whatever the world throws at us we know that he's still in charge and we know and stand firm on the fact that he is the only way the truth and the light and we just show love to people even as jesus says even if they hit us yeah we just turn the other cheek because we love them yeah and we want them to find the same savior that we found. And I think it's interesting you, you said that I think it's not a uh it's not a uh, uh if then but uh, even then, you know, I I'm going to even if I'm going to love that person even if they don't believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to love them. It's not a well, I'm going to try once and if they don't choose Jesus, then I'm going to hate them and cast them away. Uh I think there's still a level of, I mean it's not our it's not our call. Who, who gets to go to heaven, who gets to go to hell. Our job is to love people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, that's kind of the beauty of being the human in this is we don't have to make that decision. <laughs> We're not yeah. sovereign. So we don't have to, we don't make that decision. Uh, God does. And our job is while we're here love to love God, people. Love others. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's our job is to love people. So um, one, I think when we're discussing, you know, the concept of universalism, um, I think it's important to 
um, to be strong and firm in what you believe, um, but be loving enough to not, you know, look down on someone else in the sense of, you know, if someone were to say, well, I think this, and you say, well, you're not very smart then, you know, that's not going to get, it's not going to get you anywhere in that conversation. I think it's important to be firm in what you believe and, and to, to show love to other people. Uh, and hopefully they recognize that as Christ's love and, and that changes something in them and, and they go to the source of scripture and uh, and see the truth that Jesus is the way and the truth of life and no one comes to the Father except through him. Yep. Now, we uh, lost Christian along the way. He had to leave. Um, so we're... Um, our our man of application is, is isn't here. He's yeah, usually the guy yeah, that says, "Okay, exactly. how do we apply this?" Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah. How I mean, you know, I think, I think the question is, is how do we? I think we kind of have answered it personally. How do we? And the answer ultimately on all of these isms is, I think the the question is, okay, how do we have conversations with a universalist? What do we do in response to someone who says, "I'm a universalist"? Like he, Christian was saying earlier, if a student says, "I'm believing," I'm starting to see the perks, so to speak, of this ideal ideology, whatever. What how do we how do we treat that? How do we handle well, that? Well I think first we, we have to realize that as postmodernism um abounds and grows, so is universalism. You know, it yeah. might not be something that is overwhelming right now where there's lots of people that say all paths lead to heaven. Um but as postmodernism grows so will that yeah. view because if subjective truth is there yeah um so i think the first thing you got to do is learn how to refute postmodernism refute subject subjective truth right and 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 remember all of this has to be done in a loving way but we need to be able to stand firm in our knowledge that jesus is the truth because he is god and he's the only way to god because he's our perfect high priest yeah there's there's no other way to god because there's no other perfectly perfect and infinitely sinless high priest like Jesus is. So that what makes him the way, what makes him the truth, is that he is one with the Father. He's God. He's eternally God. And we have to be able to stand on those two things, on Jesus as mediator and high priest, and on Jesus as the only truth, because he is God, and then be able to show that to people that make the statement, well, there's other ways to get to God. There's other mediators. There's other bridges to get to God. But then you have to say, well, there, there can't be, because if God is infinitely perfect and eternal, then the only way to get to him is with an infinitely perfect and eternal bridge, and yeah. that's Jesus. So yeah. we, we have to be able to show that and we have to be able to show that in a loving way, or else it's going to be null and void because they're going to say, "Well, if you believe in Jesus, you don't, you surely don't act like him exactly. because you don't love me." Yeah, um, so. yeah well, you know, John thirteen thirty five, uh, thirty four and thirty five. Uh, this is a new command I give you: love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is right after Jesus um, washes the disciples' feet, and. Um, think uh when we think about this passage um jesus is referring to a sacrificial love right um serving others and lowering yourselves below other people and i think that sort of love um when done right uh trumps everything else uh, i think when when we're talking about ideologies and theologies and different religions um the love the true love of of what jesus is referring to 
um, trumps all of them. It's going to stand out. Um, it's going to it's going to stick out. And when we do that, it will turn heads towards the kingdom and and hearts. And it's not for our gain because of the sacrifice or the love that we showed, um, but it's for the the gain of of the kingdom. Uh, and ultimately, the anytime we do it right, it's really Christ's power working through us anyway. Uh, so we have no credit to be taken. But I think that's a, a huge piece when we're talking about you know, postmodernism or universalism or relative truth or whatever. Um, the idea of self-sacrificial you know, love for other people, when we do that, that is going to trump all belief systems. It's going to trump all other um, you know, ideas or, or different belief systems. And it's, it's just going to stick out and... Christ says, when you do this right, they will know you are my disciples, which take that a step further. They will know who I am. Um, if they know who you are and what you're following, then they know the name of Jesus. And that's our goal is to point people to Jesus is, is to, by the way we live as disciples, to love one another so that people will recognize who we follow, not so we get credit, but so they'll know who we follow, uh, and, and who we believe in. Yeah. So, um, to conclude our time, we um, I found the hum moment for us. How many yeah, the G and H? We already did <laughs> G and H. Remember we said how does G and H make a the sound of a like like an F sound, tough, oh, rough, yeah, but it also is silent like haughty. Yeah, English is weird. Or though, yeah, or thorough. Yeah, yeah. So, so anyway, go ahead. in taking Greek right now, I'm. I'm one of the ways that the professor teaches us how to understand Greek is he teaches us how weird English yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's English, like, English is, so is, is the worst language there is. Um, no, the, the hum moment I found is we're talking about universalism. We're talking about multiple gods. And I, I got to thinking, how many you know gods have been worshipped in human history? Jeez. Yeah, can, you, so, can we even count? <laughs> well, um, the answer, truthfully, is no. There, there's not any recorded number of certainty. Um, but people have tried to do the math, and they take that uh, right right now. There's claims that there are four thousand two hundred religious groups currently existing on Earth. Jeez, four thousand two hundred religious groups, and it's possible that some of those religious groups worship the same gods or right. gods, god or gods. And um, but using that ratio. Um, we can kind of get an estimate that throughout history there's been around 63,000 religious groups. Um, and if each of these gods have multiple gods, um, they, they, run, they use this average of um, three gods per, per religious groups. Um, yeah, and or uh, I, I, can't, I don't know how they do the numbers, but they, there is an estimate that if there were... 63,000 religious groups throughout history, then we have an estimate of 28 million gods to have ever been worshipped in earth. Um, Now, think about that from the perspective of Yahweh in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know, God gets... We we sometimes read that and we're like, oh man, why is God getting so mad at people for worshipping a few false gods? Well, if there's been 28 million idols that have been created... In place of you, I mean, yeah. I, I would be pretty annoyed if I that think think about this from a marriage perspective. You know, God, I, it um, 
and and analogously and analogically, you know, I can't. I'm trying to think of how that word is. Yeah. Um, Jesus uses the analogy of marriage between yeah. him and humanity. Think about how many times God's been cheated on then. Yeah. If there's That's been 28 true. million gods that it's have been worshipped history. a lot of other uh, history. recorded gods in history, I'll tell you that much. Little yeah. G gods. Yeah. So. Um, wow. That is definitely a home moment. Something to wrap your mind around. So, but, hopefully, you worship the one true God. And, and you see the truth in him. Yeah. And that Jesus is the only way, because he's the only perfect mediator, perfect yeah. high priest that we have. Yeah. And that he is God. Yeah. So, hope you've uh, enjoyed the conversation uh, as much as I have. I learned a lot today. Uh, thanks, Christian, for being here. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> thank you all for uh, listening and uh, uh, you know sharing our podcast with friends and family. Make sure uh, to uh, subscribe and to leave us a review. Uh, it's an early 2021 Christmas present for us. Um, leave us a review and, and subscribe so that we can uh, continue to advance um, the, the news of Christ. Um, to all those around us and share with your friends, your your family, uh, co-workers, whoever. Um, and uh, as always, if you um, know how to get in contact with us, you probably can find us on Facebook um, or not Garrett. Christian's cell phone number is... Yeah, 27. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, if you have anything that you want to discuss or any questions or any topics that you think would be good, just let us know. Uh, you can find, you know, I, Micah Hescock is my name on Facebook. I work at the Youth Minister at Jamestown Christian Church. So that would be a way you could find me um, or some of the other guys if you know them. So thanks for listening. Um, excited to be back with you again next week on another ism. I'm going to close this out in prayer. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. Uh, we thank you for Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life. God, we thank you that he is the the mediator for us and you, God, between uh, us and you, so we could reconnect with you uh, even in spite of sin that has separated us. God, we just thank you for uh, your sovereignty, God, your holiness, uh, the, the the truth that you are the one and only God, and we, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the example you gave us uh, on this earth through Jesus. Uh, we thank you for his death and his resurrection. It's in your name we pray. Amen.